Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio with another amazing episode. This time we have Sam Lesson, who is the co-founder and co-CEO of Finn Analytics and the former vice president of product over at Facebook. And we've got a lot to talk about. But before we jump into that, a couple of reminders. If you've got questions you want me to answer, sometimes we answer them here on the show. Sometimes I just email you back or tweet back at you, or we find another way to get you your answers. But just, uh, you can reach out to me on any of the social channels and just make sure you use the hashtag AskShep. And um, my handle on Twitter is at Hyken. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me just about anywhere. And don't forget, we have a TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. And you can get that through Amazon Prime, Roku, Apple TV, C-Suite TV, and many, many other places. And I believe you can even watch the episodes now on my YouTube channel, which is Shep.TV. So be sure to tune into that. We've got great guests on that show and some great inter uh, interviews. We've got great content. It's, it's just, you gotta get it. You can't live without it. All right, today's program, we have Sam Lesson in the house. And I mentioned he is the CEO, uh, co-founder and co-CEO of Fin Analytics. And he's gonna tell us a little bit more about that. We're gonna talk a little bit about what he did over at Facebook because that Facebook story is fascinating. Sam, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's start with some background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about Fin Analytics, and and uh, I'll tell you what we're going to tease the audience with a little bit uh, later on. We're going to talk about your Facebook experience. Sounds sounds good to me. Yeah, look, it's great. It's great to be here. Um, you know, I think from a personal perspective, as you said, I'm I'm running uh, Fin Analytics with my good friend Andrew Cortina, who had founded Venmo previously. We're super focused on basically help an instrument operations work and specifically customer service work to, to help people drive better outcomes. And as you said, before that, I was at Facebook. Before that, you know, I started another company. I sold a phase back. Before that, I was at Bain & Company. I've been around the block a few times. Man, you, you know, you sound young, but apparently you're about 74 years old. Yeah. Based on that I, experience. I drink a lot of coffee and I've been busy. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So that's interesting your, that your partner started Venmo. I mean, how, how many of us use Venmo? I certainly do. <laughs> I know we do. Most of us listening probably do. So here's the point, your background, and we're going to talk about analytics and customer service and customer, uh, the customer support world, but we're also going to get into what you see happening with customers today in general. But uh, you know, you just before the show gave me a great insight as to what Finn Analytics uh, is. And that is, you, you mentioned, you know, it's one thing to know the score, but it's another thing to have a playbook. So would you replay that answer as to uh, get, cause it's a great explanation as to what exactly Finn analytics does. Yeah. So what we do is we talk about operational analytics and knowing moment by moment, how your team is performing, what's going on so that you can, you know, obviously help them do better work. And when you think kind of about the broader context of what that means. I like to analogize it to like a football game. Imagine, you know, if you're a coach and you've got your outcome statistics, you got your score on the scoreboard. That's kind of like having a CSAT, an NPS, you know, your, your first touch resolution, the types of metrics people are used to thinking about um, in the customer service world. But if you were a coach and you had to help your team play better, help your players do better, better job, um, help know what plays to run, 
knowing the score doesn't really help you with the field, right? It doesn't help you moment to moment make better decisions. And so what we do is we add this whole layer of analytics and insights that kind of allow you to say, uh, take that score, take those outcomes and match them to what's happening on the field so that you can coach better, right? That's kind of the, the thing we, you know, we give you the, the game tape um, and help you kind of look at specific moments with different team members so you can coach them on exactly how to do better rather than say, you know, do better, score more points. Like that's not helpful. I need to know how, right? Same thing right, with your right. strategy. Yeah, I remember, uh, I, I can't remember what the, the uh, it was called, the, the movie. It was Gene Hackman was the football coach. Oh yeah, and is it not Any Given Sunday? It's earlier than No, that. no, Any uh, Given Sunday was Al Pacino, which by the right. way was amazing. But uh, The Replacements, I think it was The Replacements. Sounds right. And and if, it, if it's something close to that. But anyway, the football team, you know, basically the, the professional football went on strike and Gene Hackman was the coach, and they brought in all these replacement players. I think it was this movie where guy, the guy really wasn't the brightest guy, not Gene Hackman, but the player. wasn't the brightest player on the field. He goes, what do you want me to do, coach? He goes, go get me the ball. Go get, and, you know, the other team had the ball. And it's like, that's all he had. Go get me the ball. And you yeah. know what? It, it just uh, it reminds me, you've got to know how to – and just go get me. Well, how should I do that? That's so, right. And when you mentioned CSAT and NPS, by the way, those are metrics that are used to evaluate customer service. Probably everybody listening knows that, but just in case a few newcomers to the show, net promoter score, these are just simple ways of surveying customers and finding out where you stand. Your, it sounds to me like your program is primarily focused on the customer support center world. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, so the way we see it is if you think about the broader world of knowledge workers, so anyone doing, you know, trying to do a task in a service environment for other people, you know, it's, it's shockingly, there's no coaching, right? You know, you, that's kind of like what it comes down to. And so we do believe that the types of tools we're building someday will apply to most people, right? Most people want to be better, have better coaching on how to do great, great job or whatever they're doing. But we found that, you know, contact centers and customer service is a great place to start, especially as the world becomes more customer centric and people understand just how critical those customer service interactions are to not only kind of like consumers feeling good about you, but to business metrics and business goals like, you know, retention and, you know, long term value of customers and things like that. All right. So it sounds to me and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you are basically monitoring the process that people are going through when they're interacting with customers, but really it can be done for anything. But in this case, as it applies to customer service, uh, this is a way to get information about what's actually happening in real time, go back, evaluate it, and determine, hey, could we have done this better? Uh, right. By the way, it's probably not just for coaching for people, but it's also looking at the entire process in the system to see if there's, I mean, if you watch the same thing breaking down over and over again, you're going to start to see, hey, there's a pattern here that Absolutely. we fix. Yeah. So I think I'd, I'd say two things. So, so, you know, how does this happen today? Well, you think about how this happens today, right? And there's basically two tools people use. One is, you know, they'll do a manual time and motion study. They'll say, look, we really need to understand all our processes and where to invest in kind of making our tools and process better. And they'll, they'll send out a bunch of people with stopwatches, right? To look at a few people's interactions and make, and try to figure out what's going on. That's obviously, you know, at best a 19th, 20th century way of doing things. Right, like, like, <laughs> there was a movie about that too. I think it was called, was it Workplace? What was it called? It was a comedy, but those productivity, yeah, put around with their stopwatches. Yeah, and then you're just like, look, that's, that's cute, but that's not how to get real insight, you know, at scale. And then, 
but it is, I mean, again, it's not a joke. Like that is actually what big companies do in a lot of cases. And then the other thing they'll do is a random shadowing. So we'll say, look, we need to be able to coach someone. Let me just sit down with them and shadow them and, and give them some suggestions. Again, that's not bad if you have no technology leverage, but obviously it's far more efficient to say, we can look at all the work being done, know the moments that need review, you know, look at the data and say, oh, this tool is broken. Like everyone's struggling on this step in this process. Let's go fix that. Like take this as a really a big data modern approach. And, and that's kind of what we, we provide. We, you know, help people get way better coaching. But then to your point, the other big thing is nothing frustrates customer service representatives and people on teams more than when the process is bad or a tool is broken. Maybe they're getting blamed for it or not. We help right. make that clear so you can fix the right stuff. Yeah, I just wrote an article about something. Uh, a, a guy came up with a, a term. Uh, I think his name's John Brandt. Wrote a book called Nincompoopery. <laughs> How do you like that? You nincompoop. Why customers hate us uh, is, is really the, is the subtitle. And he talked about the customer free zone. I sure hope I'm getting his name right, but he knows that I'm thinking about him regardless. So the idea of that customer free zone and that's a, the best way of describing it are these executives are up in the offices making decisions and they're not in the field. They're not, you know, um, I guess it's the other way around rather than shadowing somebody to give them support. They need to, they need to be shadowing somebody to learn what's really going on. Absolutely. And then they can catch and see in real time, the frustration that people are having when they're interacting with a customer because the process or the system isn't working. Yeah. And look, I think there's a, there's so much to unpack there, but like one thing I would just kind of point out is, you know, the best executives know this, they're trying to get in the trenches and like see what's happening and, and pull out insights from that. But at a certain scale, it's really impossible to do efficiently. And so what we try to do is like focus people on the right moments and the right interactions and make sure that like you're connecting your upper management and people making decisions with what's really happening on the ground. Um, and there's a thousand shades of how this goes wrong. But what we found is, you know, when you get to a place where, the people on the line doing the work, interacting with the customers really feel like managers understand what's going on and, are, and the tools are getting fixed and the workflows are improving um, and they're getting good coaching. It's, it's just a far healthier relationship and leads to much better service. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more. We're talking with Sam Lesson, who is the co-founder and co-CEO of Fin Analytics. I want to learn a little bit more about what you did at Facebook because I'm sure that's a fascinating job and everybody's fascinated with Facebook. People want to work there. They want to know what's going on. There's a lot to learn. Everybody don't go away. We're coming right back. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hey, everybody. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Sam Lesson. We've been talking about his company, Finn Analytics, but I want to jump to a little bit 
prior to that, when he worked at Facebook. So Sam, I, I mean, everybody's intrigued with Facebook. Uh, you know, there's, you've got Facebook, you've got Google, you've got these really cool companies out there that people say, hey, I want to work, work in them. And also, uh, hey, it's not like Facebook hasn't been in the press uh, over the last few years. But I'd love to learn more about how you got into Facebook, you know, uh, what took you there and, and how you ended up as VP of product and what that means. <laughs> All right. Well, just that. Um, so yeah. So I um, I had actually after Bain & Company started my own company with some all, uh, some other Bain alums, and we had been growing it and building it up. And you know, at a certain point, Facebook came knocking and said, "Look, we want to acquire you, and we want you guys to come work here." Um, and at that point, you know, this was in the end of I guess 2010. And I, you know, I very much believe in the mission of the company. Um, and it was a really compelling, you know, offer a situation, not just financially, but to be able to work on something that was pretty apparently going to change the world and was in the process of changing the world and have real impact. So, you know, I think that's like a really important part of work is doing things not only that, you know, make sense financially, but makes sense from like a mission standpoint. And I think there yeah. are a few companies out there with more important missions. There's a, an old saying that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And if you have a mission and a passion, it just makes going to work a whole lot easier. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I feel very, very lucky and privileged that I feel like for 95% of my career, uh, I felt that way, right? Which is you show up because you want to and you believe in what you're doing uh, for sure. But apparently there's 5%. There's those few days. <laughs> oh, I mean, everyone knows that, right? Like, know. It doesn't matter how great a job you have. There are days you are showing up because you have to. <laughs> so what, what was your company that you sold to Facebook? It was pretty orthogonal. We, you know, when I left Bain, wait, it was wait, I just got to know orthogonal. What does, that's a great word. I'm going to write uh, that one down. Cause I don't know if I've heard that one before. It just let's put it this way. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's kind of off topic or a different direction from, you know, either Facebook or what we're talking about now. Uh -huh. so, but, um, but we had basically gotten really excited about the earliest days of Amazon web services. And specifically there was a service called S3, which was this cloud storage right. uh, solution very early. And so we were kind of one of the first companies to dive in and kind of build a consumer layer on top of that and had built a way, a really easy way to kind of share and transcode um, video and audio files and things like that. So it was effectively like a collaboration or file sharing platform um, before that was truly a thing. All right. Well, that's definitely above my pay grade, uh, knowing about that. But so you, you sold that to uh, Amazon, I'm sorry, to, to Facebook. Facebook. Correct. And then you went to work for them. Yep. And my first job was Pete was, I was the PM in charge of profiles. Um, so I joined that team and helped them ship new versions of the profile. And then over time, took on a bunch of other projects, became VP of products, you know, and spent a lot of time managing product managers, uh, engineers, and designers building consumer products. And give me an example of what some of those products are. I mean, I, obviously most people know about, hey, I go on Facebook and I, you know, basically have my pictures and I share ideas and thoughts with my friends and we interact, but there's much more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bunch of functions and you break it down. You know, again, I was always kind of, I always ran the profiles, um, you know, what, what features we had on those, how we designed them. You know, we did stuff like add the big cover photo, things like that. Um, you know, I spent a bunch of time, you know, working on how content gets shared, right? So the composer, the place that you kind of put messages and pictures and notes into and how to refine that and make it better. Um, you know, location products, events, there's all sorts of components to Facebook. Uh, it's a big product. It's a huge product. And how long ago did you leave? So I left 
at the end of 2014. All right, so, so you've been gone ago. about five years, not quite five years. Uh, yeah, I was there closer to four, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was great. I love it. It's, uh, I, I highly believe in the company. I think it's an incredible place. Oh, uh, yeah. It's part of our culture right now. In a deep way. In yeah. a deep way, globally. And, you know, the bigger you are, the more they gun for you. You know that's what's been happening in the press with all of the things. And then I'm not, believe me, I'm not going down this road of tell me that, you know, the dirt on Facebook. No, they're a big company and privacy is a huge thing, not just with Facebook, but with every company. We just saw another major data breach with a credit card company. Uh, and, and, you know, that kind of thing happens. And, um, you know, we, we do our best to protect, but give us an insight. Maybe you have some, uh, you're not there. It's been five years, but I know you were close enough and you probably still watch it. Where do you think Facebook's going? Where do you think the, where, what's the next big thing at Facebook? (laughs) I'm not sure I know what the next big single thing is, but I'd say like the themes have been fairly consistent for many, many years, right? Which is how do you connect people globally? How do you make it easier for people to share with each other and express themselves and their interests and find different groups of people to, to, to spend time with that share interests you know, I think obviously there's a lot going on, you know, across platforms. Uh, I'm pretty excited about how messaging products are coming together across things like Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram right. to kind of make it easier for people to communicate. But, you know, again, some of these companies, they work at such low levels of humanity, right? Like Facebook is fundamentally about communication and sharing that they're missions that will last forever, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of how people connect with each other. So let's, we're going to kind of guide this back to customer service. Facebook is a great channel for customer service. Yep. And what's your take on that? Yeah, look, I think people's, um, in the end of the day, people's expectations of the brands and companies they interact with have never been higher, right? Now that communication is always there and you can always reach back out, it went from being, I buy a product, it's mine, I have to deal with it too. You know, whether it's a service or, uh, or a product company, I expect the companies I interact with to always be there for me right. And always be interacting with me and always be helping me. And so I think that, you know, that ever that presence everywhere and that always availability is a huge opportunity, right. For, for companies and brands to build super deep relationships with their customers. But it's also like a really huge challenge, right. Because it basically means you need to be staffed and providing a level of service that people expect, which is basically on par with their friends availability. Right. Um, Right. And so for me, it's like, when you think about the world of service, um, and the world of customer service and how these tools are changing, the, the expectations are only going to keep growing uh, for having that persistent relationship. Um, and, you know, you're going to need way better tools, which is why we're doing what we're doing partially to help manage those relationships. Because, you know, in checking the box of there's three things we have to do. One is like return a product or do a refund. That's just not the way the world works anymore. Right. right. And you just said something, and I, I, I don't want to miss this because I think it was much bigger than a quick sentence that you dropped in the middle. And that was the way we are, and I'm going to paraphrase it, the way we sure. communicate with our friends is starting to become the expectation of the way we want to communicate with the companies and businesses that we uh, do business with. Absolutely. And I, I think, think that's what I heard you say. That is, that is, and I very much believe that. I mean, you think about on Instagram, which is a great channel. You know, the, the difference between following your friends and the difference between following brands is pretty slim, right? And my right. expectations of how I interact with people and brands is, is really just continuing to collapse. So that's a huge thing about the future of customer service is going to be, how do you get so good at customer service, right, that you can live up to that challenge? I think for the brands that can do it and do it well and deliver against it is a massive opportunity. 
Yeah. So, so I want to emphasize for everybody who, who doesn't understand this, there's something called social care. Social customer care is another way of saying it. And that is people are no longer turning to the traditional channels of a telephone uh, or an email or even going in person to deal with customer service. They aren't necessarily going social and announcing to the world that they're unhappy, but they're turning to channels like Facebook. You mentioned Instagram. Uh, you know, WhatsApp is a messengers, messaging service that Facebook now owns. And in any other way, Twitter, okay, but you can, you can start to communicate with brands. It's just, it's a social mode of communication versus the privacy of a one-on-one -on -one phone call. And I think it's so important that we understand uh, in business that our customers are now expecting to communicate and expecting responses on these different channels. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So well, I say that, and it's also the, the the thing I'd say is that it has to be in a mode where you know think about like working with a friend, where you might privately message a person, or a friend might notice if you're having an issue and reach out. If you get to the point where I'm so angry, right, that I'm announcing on Twitter to everyone in the world that I'm angry with you as a friend or a brand, that's a really bad moment, right? Oh, yeah. but, the but the opportunity to say, hey, there are all these opportunities to be in the loop with our customers and proactively serve them and things like that. Again, it's a huge opportunity, but it's also a huge liability if you don't get it right. Right. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll continue the conversation. When we come back, we're talking with Sam Lesson, who's the co-CEO and co-founder of Finn Analytics. Don't go away, we're coming right back. It's been said that you can't improve what you don't measure. And one of the most important areas to measure is the customer experience. My friends at Service Guru have an amazing solution that quickly allows your customers to rate their experience and more importantly, rate and review your employees. On average, their platform captures 50 times more valuable and actionable feedback about your staff and business because it's at the point of interaction before your customers ever leave. All types of businesses use Service Guru to measure and improve service, including restaurants, retail stores, doctors, dentists, and more. If you have customers and you want their feedback, go to www.serviceguru.com and tell them Chef sent you. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. All right, we're back on Amazing Business Radio, and we are winding down the final few minutes here. Sam, you know, we, we've been talking a little bit about, obviously, your company, Fin Analytics, uh, Facebook. We got into a little bit of social customer care. What do you see? Uh, you know, I know that your product kind of analyzes what's happening step by step behind the scenes, giving us uh, the ability to write a playbook. Uh, it's only, it seems to be getting more and more complicated. Uh, do you see it go in that direction where it's just harder and harder for companies to keep up? Or is there some easy solution that we should be thinking about? And I don't know if this is outside of your expertise or what you want to talk about. But that's what's on. Well, my look, mind. I think, look, in the end of the day, I think the answer is in some ways it's getting more complicated, but in some ways it dry, there's a drive towards simplicity. I think the biggest thing is you can't start having any conversations about what to do until you really have the data of understanding what's going on today. There's so much of a drive towards complexity um, and you know new layers and new tools and all this type of stuff. And the problem is it's super hard to sort any of that out until you have the baseline measurement to know what's going on and how when you change things, what the impact is of that, right? And so we're, that's something I've learned at Bain and I've carried through my career is you kind of, you get what you measure in the end of the day, which is why we're so obsessed with this. So 
Look, in some ways it's gonna get more complicated because there's gonna be more channels to cover, more processes to run and things like that. And if you take a very top-down approach and try to structure all that and map it perfectly and da da da, I think it will get more complicated. But on the flip side, when you remember it's just about serving people well, right? And you have the insight to look across your whole team, instead of dictating the best practice, find it and then highlight it and share it, um, you know, and get the right people working on the right things. You know, I think in some ways there, there's an element that's gonna get simpler, but again, to, to talk my own book, you, you really can't do any of this until you understand the play-by-play. -play. Right, so somebody once asked me, what's changed in customer service? And I thought about it and I said, nothing. They go, how can you say that? All this technology and all the, you know, various channels people are connecting with companies on and, and you know, all the things we're talking about, the data that we're able to, you know, watch right now and understand. And I said, yeah, but really at the end of the day, a customer has a question or a problem and they want that question answered or that problem resolved and they want to be happy when it's all over. Yep. They love a frictionless, easy experience. What's changed? That's been going on for decades since the beginning of yep. any time somebody invented the term customer service. But what has, so, so by, by nature of, of the big picture, nothing's changed. But when you drill down a little bit, everything's changed. The ability to get this information, it's overwhelming. Just today, I was talking to somebody about uh, what the definition of big data was. And uh, I actually believe that years ago, I liked my favorite definition when I, when I read it was, big data is too much data. There's so much, it's so big, there's just too much. And yeah. smart people are able to look at all that data and say, what don't we need? What do we need? And get rid of most of it and get down to the core these are the five or six essentials that that's, this is what we get. And if we yeah. understand this, we can move forward. And right. I think that's a little bit about what you're saying here. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, like, look, I think what I would say has changed is there was a long period where all you could really measure about customer service was its cost, right? And so when all you can measure is cost and you're a smart business, you try to minimize that. Then there was this era we've been through where you measure cost and you have some sense of outcomes, right? NPS, CSAT again is one we've talked about before. Now you're saying, okay, what's my cost per outcome? And that's nice. That's an improvement. But I think the next generation is saying, all right, that is actually insufficient because those are very lossy measures. They're, they're not bad, but they're directional at best. So now that you can measure more and, in your, and to your point, take that big data and turn it into insights, the next generation is going to be, be understand really how your customer service isn't just a cost center, but actually is driving value for your organization. I think that's going to lead to a lot of changes in practices, but you do have to get to that level of data sophistication where you can start linking specifically what's really going on on the ground to outcomes for consumers um, rather than just talking about the score. All right. So I'm going to ask you kind of a trick question here. What do you think? Uh, and by the way, I love it. The idea that, you know, people have for years looked at customer service as, as far as a department to be a cost center. And what they don't recognize is this is the department that gets people to want to come back and want to do more business and gets people to want to stay on when they're upset. Uh, but what do you think the most important metric is that we should be looking at? I know this, uh, it's not a trick question. It's, well, here, here, it's, a, it's a hard question. Maybe that's a better word. So, okay. So, so here's what I basically say. I think in the end of the day, the place that customer service ultimately should be driving is what, no, LTV or the lifetime value of customers. Amen. Okay? Yep. And we should be looking at how customer service impacts that. So every time you interact with a customer, you understand how you're shaping or changing their long-term value to the business. Now, 
when you get into like what that maps back to, there's a ton of depth around what types of interactions, how are they being run on the ground, who's doing them. I mean, we can get into all the sophistication, but if you said, Sam, you only have one metric to measure and you have perfect insight, I would be benchmarking my customer service organization to my customer LTV. Yep, the long-term value, LTV. And, and my stat is, value, yeah. is simply to determine, did the customer come back? Yeah. And, and by the way, they come back again and again and again, which translates into repeat business, ultimately, if we're lucky, loyalty. All right, we're down to the one thing question. What's the one thing you want to leave us with? One uh, a new insight or something you want to emphasize? Well, I'll just emphasize the fact that, you know, again, if you want to do great work, you have to start from a full measurement framework, right? Measurement is everything and you, you ultimately get what you measure. So that's, my, that's my, one, my one thing would be, you get what you measure, so be super clear and careful about what you measure. Yeah, and you know what? what's really cool is you started off with that and we're gonna end with that. Sam Lesson, thanks so much for being on the show. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. You uh, have given us some amazing insight, some deep insight, I can tell. You know, you don't get to Bain & Company uh, at a very young age as you were uh, by not being super sharp. Got to know, where did you go to school? Uh, uh, Harvard. Of course you did. <laughs> I just love saying it. I'm interviewing a guy today from Harvard. It just makes me sound smarter. Oh, don't so. say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thanks so much for being on the show, man. And everybody, thanks for listening to Amazing Business Radio. Next week, we'll have another amazing interview. So until then, do not forget to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>